9 o'clock. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. It's the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. 101 1 FM, 1340 AM in the Valley. 102.1 along Highway 50. Also for North Fork as well. And online all the time at the team1340.com. Reaction to last night's high school basketball games. Fruit Monument Boys got a scare in the first half. They prevail over Highlands Ranch last night. They move on to the Sweet 16. They'll take on Broomfield Saturday night over on 1100 KNZZ. Also, the Montrose boys get a one-point victory over Harrison, avenge last year's playoff loss to the Panthers. And the Grand Junction boys, Dutch Johnson back at the helm. They take care of Denver North. They have Lewis Palmer coming up Saturday night at uh, 7 o'clock. So uh, a busy night last night in high school basketball, unfortunately for Central and Palisade and Delta. They all lose last night in the boys' state tournaments, uh, their respective tournaments. Uh, I've got some thoughts on that today. Also, um, college football. Just after they approved approved the 5-plus-7 plan for college football, for the playoffs, football playoffs, Mm -hmm. they, um, right after that, said, well, maybe we should look at this being 14. 14 teams down the road. Yeah, they're they're right on top (laughs) of this thing. Oh, it's maddening. All right, so uh, got some reaction to that today as well. Text or call us on the team line, 970-242-1340. It's time to talk Colorado Mesa Mavericks baseball with the skipper, Chris Hanks. Talking CMU baseball with Mav skipper Chris Hanks on the team. All right, Mavericks coming off the uh, series sweep against Montana State Billings to open up the home schedule last weekend. Get another GNAC opponent this time. It's 19th-ranked Northwest Nazarene as the uh, 12th-ranked Mavericks take on uh, Northwest Nazarene today on the team. And with us, the head coach, Chris Hanks. Chris, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? And doing well today, Chris. Uh, of course, you got Northwest Nazarene in a, a nationally uh, ranked battle between uh, your Mavericks and uh, the Nighthawks. But let's go back to last weekend when you faced another GNAC team to open up the home schedule. That was Montana State Billings. Uh had the, the the big offensive outburst in that opening game where he scored 18 runs. You go on and get the the series sweep against uh, uh, the Yellow Jackets. Uh, you, you won that final game 10 to two, where Kyle Miller pitched uh, really really well for you. And so uh, you know you look at what your baseball team was able to do. Got some really good pitching uh, throughout the course of the weekend. Uh, looks like right now one, two, and three are pretty much solidified for you. Still looking for that other uh, other starter out there in your rotation. Yeah, we are, and uh, this week we're going to go with Jordan Pace. Uh, he's a Salt Lake Community College transfer. He pitched game one at the JUCO World Series and almost beat that good Wabash uh, hitting team. He'll throw game four this week. So when when you look at the, the guys that you have right now in terms of, as I mentioned, the, your starting rotation, Liam Hohenstein had a, a really nice start uh, the other day uh, in that win against uh, Montana State Billings, Cole Seward has pitched well. Kyle Miller, as I referenced, had a, a great game in that, that last game of the series. Uh, those three guys, like I said, have positioned themselves in a, in a really good spot um, as far as, uh, you know, what, what do you feel like with those three guys you've liked the best from what you've seen in their first couple of starts of the season from Liam, from Cole, and Kyle? Well, they've all uh, pitched ahead in the count uh, regularly. You know, they get ahead of the hitters. Uh, all three of them are power arms. Uh, there are all those kids are in the 89 to 93 range, which is good. Uh, and if you can do that and throw strikes, uh, they the, all three compete really, really well. Uh, this week, we're going to move Kyle Miller into the two slot. Um, 
leave Liam uh, one and, and Seward in the three spot. Flip it over to the offensive side of things uh, at the plate. Uh, Max Bernie has uh, done a nice job so far for you coming out of the out of the gate, uh, playing first base for you. The redshirt juniors kind of been sitting and, and waiting three years for his opportunity and uh, made the most of it against Montana State. Billings, five hits in four games, double a home run and five RBIs. And um, so for him, it was his first collegiate home run, by the way. It was the, the three-run blast uh, over at uh, the Diamond uh, during that series. But, uh, but Max Bernie uh, playing first base. Uh, Stevenson Reynolds out with a hammond injury. And so it's given Max an opportunity to, to really blossom uh, with his first, uh, like I said, real chance to play at CMU. Yeah, you know, Max has been a, uh, you know, he's a homegrown kid, came into our program as a walk-on. We recruited him as a shortstop third baseman. He's very athletic. He just, uh, he's kind of a late bloomer in terms of his physicality. You know, I think he was 148 pounds when he stepped on campus. He had a good arm and his swing mechanics were good. And he's grown up a little bit and he's he's very athletic. Uh, and, and with Stevenson's injury, uh, you know, we went looking for a, another first baseman and we tried several guys but max uh you know clearly was better than the others we're talking with chris hanks coach of the Cotter mesa mavericks baseball team on the team sports network it is uh, northwest nazarene today 19th ranked your team is 12th ranked and you lead that series chris uh, with the nighthawks uh all time 20 to 10 but uh, like i said two nationally ranked teams going at it today they're playing really good baseball they're off to a seven one and one start uh, split of number 21 Pomona Point Loma, I should say, on the road that they went 2-0-1 against Stanislaus State, and then uh, they swept College of Idaho in four games. So uh, they're off to a really good start heading into this game one today against your Mavericks. You know, they're a very good club. They're extremely well coached. Uh, Joe Schaefer, who's there, is the head guy. He was previously a Point Loma in uh, San Diego uh, and had a great program there under the NAIA flag. Uh, and, and Joe's done a wonderful job. Uh, they do a, a super job pitching. Um, they don't roll out a you know like a ton of power arms, uh, but their kids pitch. And uh, you know since he's uh, arrived there, it's it's been a, a great series every year. You talk about their pitching. Jonathan Zayas has been uh, their best arm so far. Uh, leads them in innings pitch with 18 strikeouts of 17. He went seven innings, allowed just one hit, and struck out nine in his start against Stanislaus State. Uh, expecting to see him today. What does it look like in terms of the arms you'll face uh, for the Nighthawks in this series? Yeah, I think we'll see uh, Zayas out of the gate. I think we'll see Kyle Etheridge, who's been there a while, in their three spot. And then they move guys around, uh, uh, and we aren't really sure about game two and four. From an offensive standpoint, Manny Casillas is uh, hitting 400 for them. Got an 800 slugging percentage. He was four for five with a couple of doubles and a home run uh, in their series opener. So uh, they, he's half, off to a great start. Uh, just give me a sense of what you see in terms of uh, if you've watched a little bit of film and, and looked at the, the box scores about uh, what they bring to the table offensively. Well, you know, they're contact-based. Uh, you know, they're going to try to put the ball in play. They run very well. They have, uh, I think, 22 of 26 stolen bases or something like that. Uh, and so they're just going to try to uh, scratch out runs. They're going to do a lot with the running game. They're going to do a little with the bunning game. Uh, and they're going to wait around for a timely hit. Chris Hanks, coach of the Carver Mesa Mavericks baseball team, uh, joining us today. Uh, Mavericks take on Northwest Nazarene to open up that series 
against the 19th ranked uh, uh, Northwest Nazarene Nighthawks. Chris, for your baseball team, a couple of things that maybe you saw from this past weekend in that series sweep against uh, Montana State Billings, some things you want to improve upon. Uh, pitching was really good. Uh, that's certainly a plus for your baseball team, but maybe some things you saw that you, know, you want to clean up heading into this series with Northwest Nazarene. Yeah, you know, we think we have a pretty good uh, group of infielders, but I think uh, to this point they've underachieved from the handling the ball standpoint. Uh, we have a few too many errors. I think 10 of our 12 errors or something like that are all from infielders, so we need to clean that up. That, that can be an early season issue uh, for anybody, but I think we're underachieving there a little bit. All right, Chris, appreciate the time as always. Of course, we'll have the game today right here on the Team CMU Sports Network. 12th-ranked CMU takes on 19th-ranked Northwest Nazarene. Pre-game at 145 today from the Diamond of the Berg's Bergman Sports Complex as uh, uh, Rio Buckeye Boy and uh, Ray McClinton will have that game to, for you today uh, from over at uh, the Diamond at the Bergman Sports Complex. Chris, appreciate the time as always. Good luck today against Northwest Nazarene. Thanks a bunch, Jim. You have a good day. You too. Take care. All right, Chris Hanks, coach of the Maverick baseball team joining us on the program and uh, Jonathan Gonzalez who's off to a red hot start at the plate for the Mavericks uh, cake had the chance to talk with him so we'll have that conversation coming up in just a little bit and you take a look back at that Montana Billings series in the three games they won they had one error apiece and I think game one they had just three walks game three they didn't have any Game four, I think they had three again. Game two, that first end of the doubleheader, they got a lot of free base runners. They allowed a lot of free base runners, six walks and four errors, and they ended up losing that game. Gave up 13 runs, five in the first. So like you heard Chris mentioned that you keep a team that has pretty good contact in Northwest Nazarene hitting over 300, 370 as a team, 22 stolen bases. They have a guy at the top of the order that's like seven for seven already through nine games. So just don't let them – make them earn their way on base and try to not kick the ball around on the infield, which they've had some trouble at times this season. It's going to be a nice test for them coming up this weekend. And I think you want to see Rob Sherrar get it going. The Mm All-American has got off to a, a slow start. He's only hitting 172 right now. But uh, you feel like the, the Rob, that's not going to stay that way for him. He's too good of a hitter. And and uh, that's been a, a nice surprise is Derek Shaver, the former Grand Junction Tiger that was at Wichita State. Uh, Derek is hitting 417 right now. That's behind the 452 from Jonathan Gonzalez. And uh, he's already picked up. He's got five hits this season. Gonzalez has got 14 hits already. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. four it's RBIs. On fire. Ethan Nunez, the, the freshman, is is off to a solid start, hitting 381. He's got five ribbies and a home run so far. So there's some some big pluses, but some guys that you're you're waiting for him to, to get it going, like Rob Sherrar, and and uh, hopefully this is the series that that really ignites the bat of Rob Sherrar moving forward. But once again, 145 pregame today, right here on the Team CMU Sports Network. And uh, you think that once they kind of round into. All right, these are our 9 to 11 guys that are going to play significantly over the course of a series. Some of the other guys will start to kind of pick it up after some slow starts because they started, they have 16, 16 guys that have started at least two games, and they've only played eight. You know, so a lot of guys are, you know, start, stop, trying to figure out playing today, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, Rob Sherrard's got 29 at-bats on the season. Jonathan Gonzalez, 31. Those are guys you can expect in the lineup every single day. Right. Once they start getting it going, I think some of this other stuff starts to fall in place. All right. So, uh, once again, we'll have that game today. Pre-game at 145 right here on the Team Sports Network. All right. Um, should we talk a little Rockies baseball right now? Sure. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Since we have the spring training opener tomorrow yeah. against Arizona. Uh, 1 o'clock for that one, by the way, with Jack Horgan and Jerry Schimmel right here on the team. Rockies and the Diamondbacks. So uh, let's start with the ugliest number, which was 100 losses by Colorado. And then some. The first 100-loss season in Rockies franchise history. But not the last. We'd like to hope it's not the last. But how... Let's start out with more opinion here than anything else. Mm-hmm. How optimistic are you the Rockies can avoid another 100-loss season? Not even at all. You feel like it's almost a, a certainty? Yes. I feel it is going to be harder to win 61 games than it will be to lose 100. And certainly, and I, and I understand why you feel that Math way. Is hard. And I and I and I and I feel the same as you do about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, they haven't done enough. To, they added to, to, no yeah, one they, to they had, a fifty-nine win team. They, they once again, it's that we feel like we've got the guys. We've got Brenton Doyle. We've got mm-hmm. Nolan Jones. We've got Ezekiel Tovar. We've got we've we've got all these young guys. And Chris Bryant played a Rockies best for him anyway. 80 games last year. Maybe we can get him over 100 by the time the end of this contract rolls around. And here's the thing about, I have a question about that. They, they, they need to get more out of Chris Bryant. Totally agree with that. But even if they get more out of Chris Bryant, say he plays say he plays 90-some games this year. Mm-hmm. close to Plays close to 100. And let's say Chris Bryant hits... A respectable like three fifteen or two ninety or you know or a two ninety four. Yeah. Say it's high two hundreds, two eighty five, two ninety. But the power numbers are good. They're let's say hits thirty one home runs this year or thirty, and he drives in close to a hundred. Even if the he does MVP. Even at that point, even if he does those numbers, yeah which would be among his career best numbers. I he think had 31 he's, last year, RBI that is. I'm thinking he's going to be more like 285. He'll hit 25 home runs. This to me this is realistic mm-hmm. numbers and he'll drive in let's say 80 83. My, those those be those to me are more realistic yeah. what you can ex- hope to expect from him if he mm-hmm. stays healthy numbers. If he does either one of those two things I just referenced. This, the result's going to be the same. They're still going to lose 100 games. Yeah, he might make it to where it's 62 and 100. Maybe. And who knows? Maybe a timely hit there, here or there sways it. 98 losses is still, it's a, that's essentially a 100-loss season. You can find some two games in there that you won that you were supposed to lose. For me, Chris Bryant realistically is 80 to 85 games played. He's going to hit. 245 to 250. Okay. 15 and 40. My expectations are a little higher, but yeah, it's. I just, I don't. 
this iteration of Chris Bryant, I just don't know. I can't expect that much out of him because I don't. I haven't seen it. Maybe my numbers are more heart based, and yeah. this is what I hope as a fan. Mm-hmm. Your numbers are probably more grounded in in fact and reality. They only had six guys last year that played more than a hundred games, and and that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. How do you have a consistent lineup where you only have six guys that, that play a hundred games? You need. I know he's young, but you got to find a way to spur along the progress of Montero a little bit. Somehow, you're not going to have Jerks and Profar. He's one of the six guys that played over a hundred games. Maybe Ezekiel Tovar takes that next step and stops striking out so much. Ryan is, McMahon's going to be 180 to 200. Which is the same. You know, and McMahon supposedly has worked a lot in a swing in the offseason to cut down his strikeout he numbers. He has no problem swinging. It's yeah. just making contact. And and Nolan Jones, who was fourth for the uh, rookie of the year last year. Yeah. He's uh, a good he, player. He had 297 last year. But he struck out nearly 30% of the time. So it's he has the same problem. Brenton Doyle. Incredible defensive player. Mm-hmm. The offense has to come around, though. And yeah. and, and so we have those things where in, in Brendan Rodgers, hopefully once kind of like Chris Bryant, can Brendan Rodgers stay healthy? Let's hope. Let, let us hope that is the case. And then you go to the pitching staff where they didn't exactly go out and do a whole lot. Cal Quantrill... Expect you know, they expect him to be in the rotation. He's very he, all right. He's okay. I watched a lot of him. He was a guardian for a while. He's he's going to frustrate you because there's going to be an inning where you're like, dang, this kid, look at that. And then there's going to be an inning where it's like, eek. And then there's going to be another inning of, Ugh. and he'll approach a guy really good and make him look foolish. And a punch out. And then two more hitters of where exactly is he throwing that ball? And, you know, when you look at the, the Rockies pitching staff, you hope Jake Bird can continue to 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 improve. He, he had a good ERA on the road. Mm-hmm. 2.82 ERA. Three runs higher at home. He led all Rockies pitchers in F4 last season at 1.5. There, there have been moments for him. Yeah. Can Kyle Freeland get anywhere close to where he was a few years ago? Uh, right now, if you, if, I would take, I would take twelve wins from Kyle Freeland right now. I'd I take would take ten. Take ten. I, I, I take would, ten with a sub five ERA. Yeah, I would take that right now. I, but I, but I don't know if that's doable anymore. I don't ten or twelve wins or or twenty five wins. He's I don't a pitching Chris Bryant at this point. It's just a matter of when he's going to get shut down mm-hmm. because of injury, and then he also just gets into some bad patches where he's leaving too many pitches over the plate. Gets why? I mean, he's he's always a battler. He always right. battles, but I I just. You know, of course, he had the incident where he injured his hand, mm-hmm. got frustrated in the dugout. Of the five starters that ended the year as the Rockies' quote-unquote rotation, he had the lowest whip at 1.471. Ooh. That's a walk and a hit, one and a half per innings pitched. That's essentially 
three base runners every two innings, and his ERA was north of five. Can't keep guys in the yard. Gave up nearly 30 home runs. Can't keep guys off base. Rockies didn't have anybody anybody last year that struck out 100 guys. And, like probably, won't, the, and ba- probably won't this year. Way guys swing the bat, you got to try not to strike people out. Exactly. That with the, you have the free string is free swinging major league baseball that exists in 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you how do you not get have at least one guy with 100 strikeouts? Imagine the strikeout numbers Ryan McMahon would have had with 10 more games played. <laughs> he was at 152 games, 198 strikeouts. Yeah. How do you not strike out 100 guys, especially playing half your games at Coors Field? It's because when you top out at 92, you don't get strikeouts, you get dingers. I like Rockies the, gave yeah. up copious amounts. Less. Yes, they did. And and don't hit nearly enough. They give up no. too many home runs and don't hit nearly enough. They've gone they from being one of the best home run and hitting teams mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball to one of the worst home run hitting teams. What's the bigger number? Home runs allowed or home runs hit by the Rockies last year? Allowed. Allowed by 70. Yeah. That's one every other game, essentially. We're not trying to crap on the Rockies. No, they do that just fine themselves. We we want the Rockies to do well. I'd love the Rockies to win. I would. Yeah, we both Because I would feel better about paying the money to watch them, which I'm going to pay already. I have yet to make that commitment. I'm still still mulling over <laughs> that commitment. Once again, you can get them for free here on the team, by the way. Yes. Uh, starting tomorrow with the yep. uh, spring training opener against the Diamondbacks. Starts at 1 o'clock. I, I just. I try to talk <sighs> myself into it because <sighs> I feel they have a lot of good pieces. Jones, Rogers. Diaz, Tovar, Doyle, Doyle. You know, like I think 400 at bats or 400 plate appearances for Charlie Blackman is going to be way too much. Who also wants to play some right field still, which I don't. No, that's it's like, come on, Charlie, pass. That's a hard pass. You got to let the you got to let the young guys, you know, in play, play in right field. You got you to let you got to let the young talent right. develop. Freeland, Gomber, Quantrill, Jake Bird. I mean, there's hope, I guess. They're not just hopeless like the A's. They're bad. They're worse than the A's. They're not really worse, but they're a bad baseball team. But at least there's some guys there where you're like, all right, three times a night, this is going to be fun. Nolan Jones or Ezekiel Tovar. You know, he may strike out, but damn, it's going to be interesting for five minutes. Or McMahon's going to go on a stretch where he's just hitting out of his mind. Right. He's going to have five home runs in a week. And then not hit a home run for a month. And he'll have 21 strikeouts in six days. (laughs) And and then there's players that you're you're just kind of going, what's going to happen? One of those guys is Ryan Feltner. Remember, Ryan Feltner took the line drive against the Phillies, Nick Castellanos. A skull fracture that he is he's at spring training feltner is says his fastballs around 100 miles an hour he's put a lot of miles per hour on his fastball and felt like last year was going to be the year was going to be the breakout year for him is hoping this year will be that year see wasn't he coming back from tommy john or some other sort of injury right or am I thinking of somebody else? I'm thinking Peter Lambert. Maybe. Yeah, Peter Lambert. I just, you know, even when he was healthy, there's still some of this, 
Because you'd have to kind of watch through your fingers with Ryan Feltner at times, going back to 2022. Because right now, the rotations would be Cal Quantrill, Gomber, and Freeland. And then after that, maybe it's Feltner, maybe it's Peter Lambert that you referenced, maybe it's, oh, geez, not Noah Davis. Um, Dakota Hudson. Marquez is gone, with, of course, for Tommy John surgery. Antonio Sensatella, same deal. Both had Tommy John surgery, so they're on the shelf. I don't know. I, it, uh, you know, you have to hope that maybe Sean Bouchard continues. This is going back to, you know, uh, out in the field, the plate, that Bouchard continues to develop. We saw some signs at times last year from him. It's just, um, it's going to be a, another difficult year to be a Rockies fan. And right. the journey starts tomorrow. Yep. At 1 o'clock against the Diamondbacks. The March to 100. Right right here on the Team Sports Network. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, KK had the chance to talk with Maverick second baseman Jonathan Gonzalez. That's coming up. Also, four down territory along with the stay in sports history and in the garage. Oh, do you have, who is it? Do you have it ready? Oh, I do. Yes. Let's go ahead and do that right now. We need to get that in. Yes, up for grabs today is a case of New Belgium, courtesy of our friends at High Country Beverage. A couple things to keep in mind. We take these answers only on the text line. I love talking to you. Don't call me, though. 970-242-1340. Answers only on the text line. If you're under the age of 21, sit it out. This is beer, so you uh, don't get to play. If you don't want it, also sit it out, right? It's easy as that. If you want any time in the last two weeks, including an hour ago, you are not eligible to win this prize. I was on the last Rockies team to finish above 500. Pertinent to our conversation, just uh, wrapped up. I appeared in the wildcard game win over Chicago. I won a World Series the next year, obviously with a different team. I played over 1,100 of my 1,519 career games with the teams that share Salt River Fields. Who is it? All right, so first correct answer wins. Case of New Belgium beer from High Country Beverage. You won the last two weeks. Don't play. Or, like you said, one last hour. Yep. Don't play. Send your answer in right now, 970-242-1340. Touchdown every morning. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 9.30. Jim along with the Buckeye boy coming up. We'll have in the garage of NASCAR. Fred, do we have a winner for who is it today? I am taking a look at the text line right now. We have the spinning blue wheel of refreshment. fantastic. Going on right now. So we're looking. Okay. So while we're waiting, Cake, Tyler Franson, had the chance to talk with Maverick second baseman, Jonathan Gonzalez. Joining us right now on the Team Sports Network, he is an infielder for your Colorado Mesa Mavericks baseball team, Jonathan Gonzalez. Jonathan, thank you so very much for talking to me today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. All right. So you're a senior. You are uh, right now uh, playing some pretty solid baseball. We'll get to some of your numbers here, and we'll talk about what you guys have coming on uh, this week. Let's first start, though, that game you had against uh, Montana State Billings to open up home play. Pretty solid outing, four for five with a uh, triple. Uh, so far, what's kind of been your approach? You're hitting 452 right now. You're uh, you got a couple of uh, extra base hits under your belt. What's kind of been uh, your feeling going to the plate so far in this early going? 
Um, I mean, the biggest thing is trusting my training, knowing that what I'm capable of. My approach has just been hunt early. You don't want to get down late. I mean, you usually get all the cookies early. But just taking advantage of the mistakes early in the count and trying to get on for the team and let the team produce behind me and drive me in. So you're uh, currently, like I was saying, you're hitting 452. Uh, you're right now doing pretty well. I got to ask you the difference between playing in Florida where you guys were first out and about, you went up against Rollins College and Florida Southern, mm-hmm. to now playing back at home for a couple of stints. What's been the biggest difference you've noticed playing on the road down in Florida and in swampy, you know, humid Florida to playing back up here in GJ? Uh, I think the biggest thing was we were just opening up the year, getting our feet wet, um, playing really good teams out there. And we're playing good teams here, but, I mean, we're home. We're comfortable. We scrimmage here all the time in the fall. So, I mean, just getting the feeling of being back here and playing against, playing on our home turf with our home crowd, you know, everyone, we get a lot of people to come out. It's just exciting. The The nerves are all gone. You know, everyone's just playing loose. We're ready to go. It's It's just an exciting feeling being able to play back at home in front of our home crowd. Your team's 5-3 and three right now. Your, uh, your first four games out in Florida, you split. You came back home. You got the series win over Montana State Billings, and so now you're taking on a Northwest Nazarene team. The Nighthawks are currently 19th ranked right now. Uh, what's the thing um, that skippers talk to you guys about when in preparation for this team in particular? What's he mentioned are some of their strengths and some kind of things that your guys are focusing on this week as you get ready to face Northwest Nazarene? Uh, they're a really scrappy team. They're going to give us their best, so we got to give us we got to give them their best. Um, they're they're talented. They've raised their level every time they've played us. They they took the series against us last year, and it just kind of took us as a surprise. You know, we played a little too big. We just got to we got to play every team with respect. Every team deserves respect. So I think we go in this week, we give them their respect, and we play how we play, and we'll come out on top. So this is your fourth year uh, as a Maverick. Last year you played in 26 games. You got 10 starts under your belt. You finished with a 319 batting average. You had a pretty good run uh, in the NCAA regional uh, and the super regional as well. So in your fourth year now, as experienced as you are, being a veteran, right, what are some things mm-hmm. – that as a veteran player, you've tried to pass along or pass on to some of the maybe younger guys that are up and coming on this team? Just our culture that they've taught me since I've been a freshman here, you know, just trying to pass it down. Um, one thing that I'm forever grateful for is that all the guys are very open to learning here. All the new guys, they're trying to take in our culture and follow our ways because that, that, that way wins. I mean, I, you've seen what Skipper's done over his 26, 27 years here. He wins, and it's all you got to do is follow the culture, and you'll go a long ways. Do you have a favorite within, uh, you know, FCC cleanliness reason? Do you have a favorite Chris Hanks ism, a skipper ism that he shares with you guys at practice? Like an ism, like a, you mean like a lecture kind of? A lecture, or like a catchphrase, or or just or or a, a motif, if you will, so, something that like. He, he'll tell you at practice, and, and you you as a, a guy who's been there four years is like, okay, I've heard that one many times. Oh, man, there's so many of them. I, it's kind of hard for me to think. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he does have these, like, where, you know, sometimes we're not playing as well, and he'll get into us, and 
feel like rip us a new one, I would say, and it just like it flips the switch, and then all all of a sudden we're playing our best, you know, like just humbles us. Uh, it's hard to find a motive. There's so many of them, but I mean, he, there's times where we need a little bit of a chewing, and he gets on us, and you know, we're right back where we started, like where we need to be. You know, I don't. That's I just can't think of a no. I, a motive right now. <laughs> I, I I think you I think you you got it pretty uh, pretty well on. So right now you're leading your team uh, in batting average and OPS. Or actually, you're second in OPS. You're leading in uh, batting average, and uh, you're you're getting a lot of action mostly at uh, second base this year. Mm-hmm. As a second baseman, what do you think is the maybe the most difficult or the maybe the un, most underappreciated part from a defensive standpoint playing at second base in the infield? Um, I mean, I feel like we do get a lot of ground balls at second base. I don't know if there's like a unappreciated. I mean, I think once you get older, you'd just be grateful to be in the lineup as you grow up. Um, I'm just happy to be able to do what I got to do at second base to hold that position for my team and do what I got to do defensively to win and put us in the, put us in good positions for our pitchers and, you know, a good position for our hitters to score some runs. We're talking with John. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. Go ahead. We're talking with Jonathan Gonzalez. He's a senior infielder for the Colorado Mason Mavericks. Played for Brawley, California's Wildcats. And in your sophomore year, you won a CIF championship. Your junior year, you led the Imperial Valley in batting average. Going from high school to the college game, what was the biggest transition for you either on the field or just sort of broadly off the field, what was the biggest change for you going, going from California, West Coast, high school baseball to playing here in GJ? I mean, the biggest thing for me was the game got so much faster. The pitching got tougher. The competition got higher. It was just a matter of you throwing your cleats in the dirt and, you know, raising your level and competing with the guy that you want the position for, you know, and making each other better at the end of the day. All right, that's Tyler Franson with uh, Mavericks second baseman Jonathan Gonzalez. And uh, Mavericks take on Northwest Nazarene today, pregame on 145 on the Team Sports Network. All right, it's time to dive into four-down territory. We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, start things out with first down. Bijan Robinson, former Texas running back, Atlanta Falcon running back, has some very lofty goals for this coming season. Bijan Robinson finished with 1,463 total yards from scrimmage. 976 yards, four touchdowns, rushing 487, and another four touchdowns receiving. So Bijan Robinson, in an interview recently during Super Bowl week in Las Vegas, said he wants 2,000 yards next season. But not 2,000 yards of combined offense. He wants 2,000 yards on the ground. He says, I want 2,000 yards rushing. I know. Those are big expectations. What we can do as an offense with all those weapons, our offensive line, the offensive coordinator, Zach Robinson, being at the helm, it can be something special. I think he's a real talent. I think he was probably at times maybe even underutilized by the Falcons. I I think it's great that he has that goal that he's set. They don't even know who their quarterback's going to be. That ain't going to happen. I'm sorry, B. John Robinson. I think he'll have another really Really outstanding mm-hmm. season. Justin Fields. He's not going to have 2,000 yards rushing for the Falcons in 2024. Just not going to happen. I agree. Sorry, man. But you can be more positive. All right. Earlier this month, Amazon landed the uh, streaming exclusive NFL playoff game. 
for next season. In doing so, Amazon replaces Peacock, who had the NFL's first and lone streaming playoff game, the Dolphins-Chiefs game. CNBC reported that Amazon's going to pay. Have you seen what the number is? Uh, I have. $150 million mm-hmm. for one game. Is it worth it for one game if you're Amazon? Are you going to get enough potential subscriptions from that to make it worth your while? I mean, they've invested obviously more than that to, to have Thursday night football. Right. But that's a lot for one game. Because if Prime is what? What was it? 17 bucks a month last time I saw yeah. my bill? You're looking at 10 million subscribers to make that back. I don't know if you're going to be able to get that. I don't know if that's worth it for me if I'm Amazon. But you'd like to think maybe they can get them in the door and then they forget and they end up paying 18 bucks yeah. a month for that. Oh, that's right. I got all this other stuff and I forgot that it years, goes slipped through. Years, 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 yeah. years, and years. It's a lot uh, of money. That's, that is a lot of money. Remember the last dance where Michael Jordan got to control the narrative pretty much and yes. trash who he wanted to trash and play himself up in that he's this great guy. Which the is Jack not. Lopes owner, Michael yeah. Tolan, was one of the producers of that. Yeah, sorry, uh, it's unfortunate, but true. Michael Jordan, you know, pretty much. It was pretty his story. Yeah, his story, and he buried who he wanted to bury in that and come off as, hey, Mike's just a great guy. He's just a competitor. No, he's he's <laughs> awful and terrible, but he's also a great Hell competitor. of a basketball player, but yeah, yeah not, not a world-class he human is, being. World-class jerk. Now, the No Bull Tour is coming out. You can take a guess on who is headlining this No Bull Tour to share their perspective on The Last Dance. It's got to be Scotty. Scotty Pippen. It's got to be Scotty. Horace Grant and Luke Longley. Yeah. So the Jordan Airs have the Jordan got Ayers. back together. Absolutely. So... The tour starts tomorrow, which is actually today where it starts because the basketball hotbed of Tasmania. Really? That's where yes, this is going to start. Gets the first show, then off to Melbourne on Saturday. They do like basketball yep. and down in Australia. Sydney on Tuesday. That's where they're going because they're doing it as part of their uh, prop up of the NBL which I believe is National Basketball League. I'm going to make the assumption this will come to Chicago at some point. You know, I would do the first American show at Chapel Hill. (laughs) Just to stick it to Mike? Yeah. Yep. Or do it in Charlotte and draw more people to the building than he did ever as Hornets owner. That's, and then you that, know, that'd be some genius right there. You know there. what you do to really stick it to Michael Jordan? Be nice to people. That will completely just <laughs> piss him right off. What are you doing? And it'll be fan. What are you doing? Like, hold the door open for people, you know, pass the ball to them occasionally. That'll do, say nice things about LeBron. That'll make Jordan fans <laughs> mad. It'll be hilarious. It's awesome. Um, and Deering is uh, moving on to fourth down. During his uh, FS1 show, Craig Carton um, was compared to the National Enquirer. Didn't Adam Schefter 
Adam make, Schefter make said this comparison that, yes, because uh, Craig Carton says he knows why the Eagles fell apart, but he won't tell anybody. But Adam Schefter went on 97.5 and said that I texted someone in the organization yesterday and I got the text back. None of that bleep happened. So with John Kincaid, who a uh, longtime CBS weekend guy right here on the team sports network. So there you go. Craig Carton is the national Enquirer, which with the amount of blow that Craig Carton was around, I kind of believe mm. that. Allegedly. And the time he spent in uh, the slam. In the who's cow. Yeah. Yeah. The documentary about him uh, with that whole thing is very interesting. All right. Uh, it's it's a little bit like the Jordan documentary. Yeah. Paints a very it's uh, self-serving. It's a sad, sad picture of poor Craig Carton. Yeah. Struggles in his Look life. Look at how mean Jordan had to be just to play basketball. All right. 944. And it's time for this day in sports history. Well, maybe not. Hold on just a second. Now it's time for the stay in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment of all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, lead things off with Sonia Heine, 1936. The figure skater wins the her tenth straight world championship. She's also an actress uh, during that period of time as well. 1959. Lee Petty driving an Oldsmobile wins the first ever Daytona 500. They're driving a Cutlass. That's nice. right. And on this day, 1980, the U.S. hockey team stuns the Soviets to win, to get to the gold medal game, knocks off the Soviets at the Lake Placid Olympics. 28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carlemont shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson. 19 seconds. Justin over to Ramsey. Big Elekhanov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! All right, Al Michaels. I remember watching it tape delayed. Hello, loser. When I was in high school. Hey, Russia. Yeah. Hello, Russia. All right, 945. We'll take a break. We'll come back. And in the garage of NASCAR, Fred is on the other side on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The Team. Now, to anyone out there who wants to go fast, anybody, I want to go fast. All right, it's time to go in the garage and NASCAR Fred brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. Not just a better deal, a better dealership. Pricing information at MontroseFordNissan.com. We go to the great state of Iowa. It's NASCAR Fred. Hello, Fred. How are you? I'm pretty good. How about that exciting finish in the Daytona 500? Hey, I got That's pushed. A, that's always cool. Have a big wreck right at the start finish line going into the white flag lap. There. Exactly. Uh, of course, <laughs> got pushed from from Sunday to Monday because of all the, the heavy rain at the Daytona 500. But uh, uh, William Byron taking advantage of that pileup that you mentioned to to win under caution to win his first ever Daytona 500. And yeah, and it wasn't any kind of a fluke. I mean, Byron was up there at the front during the whole race. I think he was actually leading when that big race happened. It happened behind him, so that was good for him. But. Uh, I think I think he's kind of serving notice that uh, you know he he's going to be a championship contender this year. They're certainly looking like it. 
Well, his teammate Alex Bowman uh, finished right behind him. So uh, for uh, Hendrick Motorsports, uh, it's uh, the 302nd NASCAR Cup Series victory, the ninth at Daytona 500 for Hendrick's Motorsports with the William Byron victory. And looking at some of the guys who got taken out, you know, and there was another caution. I'm not sure how many laps from the end, but not not maybe nine or ten laps from the end. And then, of course, they crash on the last lap. I mean, uh, you got Jimmy Johnson, unfortunately. You know, he was having a pretty good run and uh, got taken out. Um, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Ricky Stenhouse, Ryan Blaney, Tyler Reddick, um, Austin Dillon, all these guys. Probably Denny Hamlin, too, probably could have been contenders. Um, They got got taken out. And it happens that way a lot at Daytona. That's, you know, that's just super speedway racing. So the TV ratings, since it got moved from Sunday to Monday on President's Day, that was the, the benefit, at least it was on President's Day when there were some people that were, that were off from right. work. Uh, about 6 million viewers uh, viewing uh, the race on Monday on Fox. And I'm not sure how the, how the viewer numbers, they really haven't, haven't dug into it. You know, it they, they kind of goes up and down, and it'll be sort of a, a fashionable thing for a while, and people who are fad followers, you might say, We'll be uh, we'll be into NASCAR, and then they'll move on to something else. And of course, you've got the true believers who were there all along. So, uh, six million people—that's quite a few, though. Yeah, it's not bad, especially like I said since it got moved to a Monday. And plus, the the, like, so the benefit right. of being a holiday really really helped. Uh, anything uh, you want to break up, bring up before we talk about Atlanta coming up next? Um, yeah, well, there was one thing that says NASCAR is going to examine fuel-saving strategy from the Daytona 500. Uh, you notice that when they do the in-car cameras during the race, you get the, the guys up front, at the front of the line, they got it matted, 100%, 100% throttle. You guys four or five rows back, just riding along with the draft, they might be only running, you know, 35, 40, 50% throttle. And, uh, you know, you save a lot of gas that way. NASCAR says, I, I really don't know what they're going to be able to do. They said they're going to take a deeper dive into that and uh, see about the fuel-saving strategies. And uh, and it's really not, if you're in the middle of the pack, it's really not even a fuel-saving thing so much. You just just don't want to run over the guy in front of you. So, uh, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what, what they come up with because it makes a huge difference uh, whether you're running up front or three or four rows back as far as uh, fuel consumption goes. In the Garage and NASCAR, Fred, brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. Now, just a better deal, a better dealership. Pricing information at MontroseFordNissan.com. So we move on to Atlanta, the Ambetter Health 400. Uh, this Sunday, 1 o'clock, our time on Fox TV. And uh, just uh, give us the lay of the land uh, coming up with, uh, with the Atlanta Motor Speedway on Sunday, Fred. Well, Atlanta, of course, it's been a whole different situation since they, uh, since they reconfigured the track, you know, and uh, made it into... It's basically a mile and a half super speedway now, just with the style of racing and everything. And that's there's only been two years, 22 and 23, that they've raced with that configuration. And uh, of the four races they've run, William Byron has won two of them. So uh, yeah, kind of be afraid, be very afraid. Um, it, it is fun. It, this is the first time ever that uh, NASCAR has started the season with two super speedway races in a row. Um, that's that's kind of unusual. I'm, I'm looking to see where where they're going to be going after that. Uh, Vegas. Pardon me for a minute. Vegas, is that where it is? Yeah. I figure somewhere out west. But so, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that that makes it interesting. Uh, guys, generally, by after Daytona's done, they've had enough of that that pack racing, the drafting, all that. Well, guess what? you got to do it another time <laughs> this week at Atlanta. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's how you earn your money. So, uh, 
Yeah, like I said, since they reconfigured, the Byron's won two of the races. Chase Elliott's won one. Joey Logano's won one. So uh, the favorite, though, um, Denny Hamlin, according to the odds makers. Denny Hamlin's the favorite. Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, uh, Christopher Bell up there at the top in as far as the odds to win. And and it's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting comparing the two, especially having them back-to-back weeks, because I've talked to you before about, yeah, it's just the drafting and everything, but it's really different at Atlanta because the straightaways are so much shorter. You don't have time to, you know, to ride and set up a move and do this. You're always going into a turn, it seems like. So uh, that's, that's a big difference there. Mitra. Looking forward to it. All right. So uh, last week did not go well for me. Brad Kozlowski. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. Didn't finish. <laughs> still he's working a, on it. He's still on the track. Yep. He's still at Daytona. He's he's committed to finishing the he's race. Walking now though. He's, yeah, he's out of the car. He's just walking along. Carrying so, one wheel at a time. Yeah. So um how did we finish up last week? I know how I finished. Uh, you finished at not at all, not at all. Brad Keselowski. So you're on pace uh this season for negative thirty six points. Great. Fred <laughs> had the best finish with Kyle Larson at eleven. Kyle Bush finished twelfth for me. This week, uh, I get to pick first, then Jim, then Fred. I'm going with the man, William Byron. <laughs> I'm going to go with one of um, Fred's favorite guys, Joey Logano. Oh, that's going to go, one. Joe. Going to go, the Joey. Favorite. Fred, who do you got? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, he, he's one of my favorite guys. I keep hoping he'll invite me to a barbecue or something. So, that's it. Well, I. Uh, I, I was going to, I, I, Rio, I think you probably got it. I was going to pick William Byron to go back to back because he's, he's good there. He's getting, you know, anyway. Um, so I'll have to pick somebody else, and I am going to go with Denny Hamlin. All right. So here we go. So Sunday in Atlanta uh, on Fox TV. Hey, Brett, I appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks, Jim. All right. There he goes. Burning rubber out of the pits, NASCAR Fred, with uh, In the Garage, brought to you by Montrose Ford. Nissan. All right, that's our show for today. I'll be back with you tomorrow with cake. Uh, so we'll get you ready for a busy high school basketball weekend. Uh, that's coming up tomorrow morning, 7 to 10, right here on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Jim Rome is next.